Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is Fly Purbly with Steve Jaco and Craig Forsyth. They call him Mike Emmerich, but many of you know him as Doc, the man who's known for his hyperbole, are going SCORE whenever an NHL game comes to its exciting conclusion. Doc Emmerich has decided to retire. Yes, folks, Doc Emmerich, who I reference every other week on Flyperbole and strain my voice doing an impression of, is retiring from hockey. It is just, it's it's tragic. We are all so used to him on the broadcasts, and it's just not going to be the same without him, Craig. That was a that was a really entertaining real time transformation from Doc Emmerich to Stephen Jacko. I'll tell you that much right now. By the way, Jacko, that's on that's on. You went right. extra French on that. I'm, I'm impressed. There you go. No, but uh, yeah, he's uh, he's done skis. He's uh, calling it quits at the age of 74. And uh, I'm not gonna lie, I like Doc Emmerich a lot. I really did uh, enjoy his calls for the game. Uh, but he uh, had been NBC's go-to voice for 15 years. He did the uh, Devils play-by-play uh, for 21 years. And also, I don't know how many people, I assume if you're listening to this podcast, you probably know, but he did start with the Flyers. Uh, the Flyers were the team that originally uh, brought Doc Emmerich into the uh, the hockey world, pretty much. So uh, talk about that real quick. Uh, in 1977, he did the play-by-play and PR for the Maine Mariners, which was at the time the Flyers farm team back in the AHL. And uh, he did that before joining the Devils for the first season in Jersey which was 82-83. And then during that time as well, apparently did a spot play-by-play work for the Flyers from 83 to 86, and in-studio analysis from 86 to 88. And then from 88 to 93, the Flyers' play call was Doc on the play-by-play and Bill Clement as the color guy. And man, those were some bad teams in the early 90s. But if I got to listen to Doc and Bill Clement every night, (laughs) I don't know. That would be... It'll be a little, little passable. Although probably Doc at that time was a little different, and Bill Clement maybe wasn't making as many sex sounds on the air yet, so it may have not <laughs> been as entertaining. Uh, but uh, and for reference, by the way, Jim Jackson became the play-by-play guy in '95, '96, I believe. Yeah, and Jim Jackson, I, I, I read some comments from Jim Jackson earlier about uh, Doc's retirement saying that Doc was actually a huge help to JJ on starting his career with the Flyers. Like they went out to lunch oh, there you and go. he kind of walked him through everything. And just from, from everything you hear, like Doc Emmerich truly was a gentleman and a beloved man in the game of hockey. Just, uh, just a great person to everybody he met and he really will be missed by, by everybody. And it's, it's tragic. And I, if I'm being honest, I actually had to come around on Doc Emmerich a little bit. When he first started doing games, I thought it was a little much and the flowery language, you know. Yeah. I think that's the number one thing we kind of, uh, we. Yes. We, oh, the amount we of We have some fun with the amount of times that yeah. Doc just goes out there and uses these just like crazy, this I, crazy terminology. I do not know, since it's not guaranteed now, the next time I will hear about somebody sashaying their way somewhere. I think we're done hearing that. Like, that's got to be the last <laughs> time I hear that term. 
It's that, tragic. It's tragic. Yeah, but it's I just, came around on it. I came. I didn't. You know, there was a time where I didn't care for it, but I came around on it. And the the greatest thing about Doc Emmerich, and I think the thing we're all going to miss, is just his flat out enthusiasm for the game. How much he loves the game, and that really comes through on his calls. When he goes score, like y- you can tell, this is a guy who fucking loves hockey. Yeah. No. That's and that's that's why I've always liked him. Is he? If you go back and watch highlights or, you know, when you're watching the playoffs live, he is he's into it. And that's a lot. It's a lot. I'd rather prefer that than somebody like, I guess, Joe Buck. I, he seems to be like the one that's pretty easy to point to who uh, or like Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth since they did the Eagles Super Bowl. That kind of seems like, you know, just another game for him. It doesn't seem to be that exciting or like, you know, they're not live at one oh, of the Joe biggest Buck, man. sports that's... spectacles ever. It was like Doc literally Joe watched Buck is... all the time. He was the best. Joe... Joe Buck is like Mr. Professional to a fault where it's just, you can tell he's just like, well, I mean, it's also, there's that infamous uh, interview from a a while back at this point, probably a decade or so where he basically says like, I'm just bored with sports. Like I'd rather (laughs) in my off time, just watch like something else. And it's like, uh, you don't want to hear that. Especially when your main criticism is that you don't seem invested. You don't seem invested at all. It's just, Joe Buck's yeah. just Mr. Like, oh, well, that's going to be a home run. Okay, yeah. cool. And That was not Doc. That I, was I hate not to, Doc at all. That was the best part of it. Well, yeah, absolutely. Of them, yeah. I hate to drag Al Michaels into it, even though it's he's not the same. But, it, it, you know, he is he is the guy who did the miracle on Ice Call. And you, you yeah. can't fault him for that. I don't know. I've always had a soft spot for Al Michaels, even though he's not nearly that, as good as he point. used to be. Chris Collinsworth is an atrocity, though. That man is yeah. just abysmal, I, and I, I cannot say, stand him yeah. at all. But it's, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying because none of them touch Doc on enthusiasm. He is, it's infectious, right? It just makes yeah. you even exactly. more excited. And playoff hockey is one of the most exciting things in the world to start with. So to add another dimension, another layer of excitement is something else. Yeah. And I, I do think in a couple of years now, it's all said and done. Like we, not said and done, but a couple of years now after he's retired, uh, like there's a certain nostalgia for, uh, like people around our age for uh, hockey on ESPN, like the NHL on ESPN, because it was it was like the thing you had to watch when we were kids, and it was the main thing that helped draw us into the sport. And I feel like there's gonna be, the way we look back at NHL, the NHL on ESPN is how, uh, some people are gonna look back at like Doc Emmerich with NBC. Like there's a lot of people that got into the sport after the season long lockout, and I think Doc Emmerich's voice is gonna be like the main calling card for like nostalgia when it comes to the sport a couple years from now. And oh, it's absolutely. like, I know people probably got tired of them or like, we always, we always poked fun of them, but I, I don't know. I always really loved, I mean, it was always more exciting when he was calling a game, whether it was the Flyers or not. And like he had, I was, unfortunately the Flyers, uh, as you guys know, haven't really been killing it the last like decade and a half when he's been the main voice at NBC. So we don't, there's not a whole long line of playoff, uh, goals by the Flyers, but I remember him calling Game Three, uh, the Drew overtime goal in Game Three. I don't know if you have any distinct calls that are like moments you remember hearing Doc's voice from, but my main one, Steve, is and I told you about it before the uh, show, and I've talked about it before, but I still love it. Was the 2010 Olympics because uh, they're on NBC, and Doc lost his mind when Freeze had the game tying goal. In the gold medal game with, I think, like 34 seconds left, the one that went off Langebringer's skate, and then he slammed it home. Um, <clears throat> but his 
when Canada and USA played in the round robin and USA beat Canada and Kessler scored this ridiculous empty net goal where he somehow dove Corey Perry skating up to the puck in the defensive zone. He like reached around Corey Perry and knocked it with one hand into the open net. And I've never like, I think I'm, I kind of want to put it on just so I don't know if you're going to be able to hear it or not. Or Steve, if you want to play it, just because it was like he he just lost his mind for like five seconds. I don't think Doc's ever lost his mind on the call as much as his empty night goal. His voice cracks like three different times. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I don't know if I could do it any justice by playing it here, but I mean, folks, we all got the technology to look that up, so I, I would definitely yeah look that up. But yeah, that's a that's a great call. I mean, I unfortunately can't think of too many specific examples myself, but I think it's because it the just... flyers weren't good. Well, or that part of it. I don't know. That's part of it. And also, I just personally, I just have more of a a kinship uh, with with Jim Jackson and Bill Clement and Steve Coates and Tim like the local guys. And that's just how it's always been. Uh, We've been incredibly blessed in the Philadelphia region with having great local announcers for our sports. I mean, forever, forever. Well, until... I mean, we had Harry Callis for the longest time with the Phillies, and now the the TV broadcast is not very good, but the the radio broadcast is still uh, a damn entertaining time. The, I mean, Merrill Reese and Mike Quick are, yeah. are so fantastic with the Eagles, and even when the Eagles are just horrible, it's still like right now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, hearing Merrill now. Yeah. is very comforting. It's great, and we've had JJ. Uh, on TV for the Flyers since what did you say ninety five? Uh, so I uh, believe that's what yeah he had been long he'd, damn time. yeah doing it forever. Apparently yeah. started doing radio the year after Doc left, and I think he did the play by play on the radio for two years, and then he came to uh, TV. So I think that is ninety five ninety six. If I'm doing yeah. the math right on that, yeah. But we yeah, had no JJ for yeah. a long time. We had the great Gene Hart before that, and. Yep. Let's not underrate Tim Saunders on the radio. It's fantastic. Tim Saunders Anytime, is pretty good. <laughs> I love Tim Saunders, and you want to talk about energy I never listened and enthusiasm. To him, yeah. Well, that's the problem is you never listen to him because you don't really feel the need to because the TV crew is really good. But right, yeah. whenever you do have to be driving for a game and you hear, hear Tim Saunders, that his score is – you want to talk about oh, enthusiasm yeah. on par with Doc Emmerich. It's probably that one. It's – I, I can't even do that justice at all, but <laughs> it, it's so great. I, I love a good Tim Saunders uh, goal call, but I mean, I think it's amazing that I, you know, I have such adoration for all the local guys and the energy that they bring to have a national guy be able to bring energy on that level is pretty phenomenal because we were just talking about those other, you know, examples with Joe Buck Al Michaels, and again, I I have a lot of respect for Al Michaels, but again, he's not. Yeah, um, yeah. But the thing is, like, the energy level is not going to be anywhere near what you get with Doc Emmerich. It's just not going to happen. There, it's it's another level. That's I think that's the better way to put it. Because yeah, Al Michaels obviously has like one maybe the best call in the history of sports. So that's not. I was thinking more. I was thinking more Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth. Their reaction when Gronk dropped the football in the end zone as time ran out, and they're like, "You're right, oh, that was caught it. It was oh, not yeah, they the, won the Super it was, Bowl, and like that was it. Like that was the call. right. It wasn't like the Eagles win the Super Bowl. Like it just was. It was like, oh, Gronk almost did it. I guess. Time I mean, I was now. too busy. Okay. I was too busy screaming to really tell. Yeah, but, you know. no, that was a that was a yeah that was an. It's one of those. Fact. Thank God. Yeah, thank God we can. I went back to go find the Merrill Reese call to to sync up. 
after the I fact, went back. I went back like the next couple of days to see if I could find it to see how good it was, and it was just kind of like, well, thank God I was focused on something else at that second time because that was like the, the worst. Yeah, but no, the energy level I think is what it is because uh, it it felt like he was bouncing off the wall sometimes when he was making calls, and again that was exciting to hear when this guy. I think he did like oh he did like thirty seven hundred and fifty games or something professionally. It's the total I saw. So like each one, there weren't nights where like wow Doc's mailing this in. He felt like he was he loved the game of hockey and he was heavily invested and he knew about it and it was and him like rattling off the birthdays every night too. That probably becomes a really. I mean now we're gonna appreciate it because it's done and he's not gonna do it anymore. But I know that was the thing that like people kind of poke fun at every once in a while. But he I mean. He just loved the game of hockey, and he really he was able to showcase it in an inviting and accepting way, and it wasn't weird or annoying, like Pierre Maguire. I think that's another way to put it out there because Pierre is a little creepy and weird. Yeah, weird, annoying. Yeah, so like Doc was very he like kind of wanted to talk to hockey about Doc. It felt like well, I, I find that really phenomenal about Doc. Also, is the fact that I always wanted to listen to him, even when his partners were completely subpar and his partners usually were completely subpar especially when mike milbury was in there but you know eddie olchick was just fine and jeremy ronick was rough sometimes well he he never really did in the booth stuff though right no he no they they never trusted him to do analysis they always had him there's a good reason (laughs) they always had him in studio because you know he's not good at breaking analysis down mid-game why not in between periods but he also and then they also did stuff for like uh like, they always had him do, like, the field stuff. Like, the first... I remember the first year they were in Vegas, they had him, like, hanging out with the people that, like, hit the drums. He's like, wow, this is crazy. They're hitting drums in an arena. And, like, he would do, like, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Like, but, I mean, <laughs> I, I guess the thing is, Doc, unlike... Okay, so we ran into some situations, even when I really like each Jones and Brian Boucher, but it almost felt like they were going too far in the other direction to not show a bias for Philadelphia. And... Uh, yeah, yeah. It, the fact that I never, ever felt like Doc was showing a bias one way or the other is pretty you know, amazing. And that's a good not, point. Yeah, It's a hard line to straddle, and Doc did it successfully. And, you know, the play-by-play guy doesn't necessarily have to worry about this as much. But it's I never really felt like he was on one side or the other. He had equal enthusiasm for both sides, and that really is the sign of a true professional in this industry. You know... That is a good point, and I don't know if it does come down though, like you just said, the play-by-play against color stuff. But uh, yeah, that's not a lot of people calling Doc Homer uh, Homer out there. Like, I mean, I feel like I've seen that with other, almost every other announcer. And I mean, now perhaps if the Pittsburgh Pirates were involved, (laughs) yeah, the Homerism will come out. And speaking about Pittsburgh, I mean, I was going to say the play-by-play stuff, but then I also think of uh, Steigerwald or uh, for the Penguins for a while there, who. Pretty knowledgeable guy, but he definitely, him and Bob Barry definitely lean a hilarious amount towards the Penguins. And even the Flyers. I mean, Jim Jackson's pretty biased towards the Flyers. He is. <laughs> he's got but... an amazing voice and he's good and knowledgeable, but he definitely, yeah, he doesn't but I, I think with the, the home guys, it's different. That's ex- you expected the, the, that. The, yeah. the home guys have to have a, a level of bias. And yeah. I think and on, the Flyers yeah. guys are, you know, they can, they can have some ridiculous moments with it. But I mean, uh, you also kind of want that from your home guys. Yeah, like, you that's do. Actually, that's actually. That's actually a complaint that Phillies fans have against Tom McCarthy, who is the play-by-play uh, announcer for the Philadelphia Phillies. 
is that Tom McCarthy isn't impassioned enough towards the Phillies. You know, he's he's just kind of a professional, like, regular announcer. Like, T-Mac's actually a really good, just neutral announcer, but we want a guy who is, like, yelling for us, which is why people love Larry Anderson so much, because he's just calling the umps, like, pieces of garbage. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, like, hearing Scott Fransky and Larry Anderson really complain about the umps is one of the greatest things for a Phillies radio broadcast. But T-Mac just comes out there and just kind of, like, a regular, like, uh, you know, just, wow, look at these youngsters. Like, <laughs> how about that? Like, just very professional regular like he actually does a lot yeah. of uh other work like he, i've seen him do college basketball uh he does a lot of nfl games so he does a really good job at that stuff but he he's a good neutral guy but when you're doing the local stuff you want somebody who's a little more biased right yeah that's fair that makes sense and not to back, a hilarious like... degree though not like jack edwards like jack edwards right. i think is the the worst case scenario for local bias or Steigerwald. Yeah. yeah it's it's one of those and again, like I, I do think, yeah, JJ is uh, he's pretty. But you are right. Whenever I think of him, do whenever they he'd fill in for like the hockey day in America, like the thing in mid February, he uh, he seemed to do those national broadcasts pretty well because there wasn't he didn't need to lean towards the team that heavily. So that's definitely, yeah, that definitely plays into his uh, his analysis with the Flyers. Yeah, good call. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Correct uh, my assessment again. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it's but man, it, it's it is. The level of excitement weird. he would bring for a Stanley Cup game, man, it's it's going to be tough to replicate that. And I feel bad in advance forever. has got to replace him. Oh, yeah. No, they're never going to live up to uh, the expectations. And again, it is, it's going to be weird because I, I didn't realize it was 15 years. But yeah, that's how long ago that one lockout was, which is uh, pretty crazy to think about. And uh, he's been the guy. He's been... The main face of the league here for a while, so uh, it's gonna be it'll be interesting. But they, they got a little bit of time to figure that out. I guess they got a couple months to see who will uh, fill in those shoes, and uh, hopefully it's just trials. Milbury. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just <laughs> yeah, Milbury just by himself, stuttering and fumbling his way and <laughs> sexist comments the whole time. It's gonna be great. They give him a pay raise. He's killing it out there. He's doing great. Gets a contract <laughs> extension for no reason. Just NBC, just not aware of what people want. I mean, that, that is actually, NBC is not aware of what people want. That's what they're being criticized right now. So, uh, so we're looking at... Coming up on Peacock, another town hall that nobody wanted. <laughs> it's going to be Milbury and Roenick in the booth and uh, starting up next season. And they're going to wonder why nobody's watching. So there you go. That is... That, that is... I actually has that a little bit of vomit rise in the back of my throat. Mm, there you go. Bring it back in, because uh, you're not. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's what we're expecting. Here. I don't think it's going to be that bad. I really do wonder who. No, they they have some professionals up there. I mean, yeah, it's got to be. Trying to remember, I'm trying to remember. Leave the John the... Forsland. John Forsland's one of the names I heard out there. Kenny Albert's done a lot of work recently. Oh. Kenny Albert's fine. He's not. He's fine. I just. Uh... I know. I, I agree. I agree. Too much. Eagles. I think to... Too many Eagles Giants broadcast. <laughs> that's true. Well. Uh... Yeah, it's yeah. it's not good for the Eagles. He's fine for hockey though. He's fine. Uh, yeah, he's fine. Yeah. I think NBC's been using Mike Tirico more and more too, and I always like I've been yeah. a big fan of Mike Tirico. I, I like him too, but that's I think a, he's Yeah, I know. That's, that's a big a hell of a leap. Yeah. yeah, I'd say. Forslund's probably the, the smart bet in the short term, but we will see what happens. There is a 
an indeterminate amount of time until yeah, the they next got plenty of time. At this point. Yeah, and uh, I didn't see any updates on that recently, Steve. But yeah, it still sounds like again. I'll go. I'll go based off Foley because it seemed like he gave precisely zero fucks in that interview last week. Yeah, so Bill I'm saying, Foley, Bourbon Bill February. came out there and <laughs> yeah, he came out swinging and he landed on a lot of comments. So I'm yeah, going with that guy. <laughs> Well, it seems like he let a lot of cats out of the bag that night. He did he let a lot of cats. Up. He let all cats loose. Yeah. He, he loose, let the so. cats out. Ooh, yeah. Ooh. <laughs> meow, meow, meow. The, I can't. The, That's terrible. I'm so sorry. The while Bill there Foley is... Event? Okay, sorry. Go yeah, on. While there is an indeterminate amount of time until the next season, hopefully that time allows Nolan Patrick to catch up to speed and take care of uh, oh, whatever's baby. going on. <laughs> In between the ears. Yeah. In between the ears, the yeah, old, that's a good way uh, yeah. to describe his migraine syndrome or go, whatever go he has with, going on. Figure so, out what's going on there with the brain bucket, yeah. He's the brain bucket, yeah, that's, that's a good way Speaking to put of it Eddie right there. Uh, yeah. No, we have <laughs> repeatedly said we want Nolan Patrick to be ready, fully ready when he's coming back. We don't want them to rush it back because you can't mess around with these kind of things. And uh, yes. on that note, Nolan Patrick signed his qualifying offer this week. That's right. Uh, accepted the qualifying offer, which means he is under contract for the 2020-21 season, which should wrap up in about like, July of 2022. Uh, he'll have a cap hit of 874,125 green ones, and then he'll be an RFA at the end of the next season, um, which means he'll, he could play this year and we could have this whole discussion again next year um and again like you just said didn't play all this year due to a migraine disorder in 2019-20 but uh he has been skating at some scrimmages it looks like and it doesn't sound like they're contact scrimmages and i think my like we all want to see patrick play and my i think my thing with patrick is i need to see him actually play and then i'm all the way back in with nolan patrick not in these scrimmages in uh, somewhere up in, in Canada, uh, not throwing on a jersey and skating around laps with everybody at practice. At practice, I want to see how he's doing later in the practice the first time he gets slammed to the boards and his head hits the glass. Like, I need to see him fully embrace an actual hockey game to an extent, and then I'm good. So if he comes back and he plays a game and he feels fine afterwards... I'm all the way back in on Nolan Patrick, and I'm not too concerned about his health going forward. But I, again, is it weird that knows? I'm more concerned about the lights? More concerned about the lights? Yeah. No, like seriously, with migraines, like one of the top triggering factors is. Oh, light. oh, oh! I was like, I had no. Yeah. Okay, I got what you mean. Yeah. Uh, I mean, specifically given I, how bright the lights can be at a hockey arena. Yeah, I that would be something too. I mean, I, I just want to see him go through the actual motions of a game, everything involving a game, like pregame skate, an actual game. He's willing to go to practice the next day or two days later, and he is fine. And I, I'm not, not worried about Patrick's health at all again. Like, I think this is a thing. I know he's had other injury, injuries in his past. I mean, this isn't an ankle related. injury. This isn't an ACL. This is just, this is, yeah. This is a completely different beast altogether i i feel like there's like i feel like there's a difference between and i I don't know if this is gonna sound dumb and i feel like i don't know if we're gonna or if i'm gonna counter argue my point about five seconds here but like i feel like there are guys that are injury prone and then there are guys who just have bad injury luck like i think of and before keeping in the, the city uh like carson wentz gets injured all the time but I feel like they're always insane injuries that everybody would be getting hurt from if they went through those same exact plays. So I don't know if that's really injury prone. Right. Like as so much as he's just spine. unfortunate. 
He yeah, like he spine. got he, he got hit after the whistle from Jadavion Clowney and got hurt. I don't know how many people are going to get hit when they're not expecting it from Jadavion Clowney and be like, all right, we're helmet good. to helmet. Or like, Let's make that yeah. very abundantly tore, clear. In a legal helmet to helmet yeah. hit that went unpunished, but you know, it's... like Torres ACL pinned between two linebackers while diving. Like that also seems like they're not like he's jogging any like twists his ankle the wrong way and like, oh my god, he tore his ACL. Like he's it's like not, not Michael Neuvert. Like, you want to talk yes. about an injury-prone player? Michael Neuverth is an injury-prone player. Yeah, and this is, I I know, like, Patrick's injury when he came into the league is a lot different than what it was, than what this is, and I felt like that whole thing was, like, kind of out of his control and unfortunate, too. And this is a thing, too. Like, he, he had concussion issues in the past, and again, those were all, like, dirty hits where he got ran into the boards and like his head hit up against the glass and then he missed the rest of the game so it's not like the, the shit about him being and I, I don't think people are still talking like that but like it's it's all i think it's just unfortunate i think once he actually gets back in into a game and he's fine i think he's able to put all this behind him and he has a normal nhl career and i know that's it's again i need to see it first though like I'm gonna buy in 100 percent when I actually see it. I still have no no gauge as to whether like when he's actually gonna play. No idea. I, I I don't even I don't even know if he's gonna play this year. I feel like he will because it should be the season's not starting for a couple months, and he's already skating at like away from team mandated stuff. So I feel like he should play, and it seems like people that are closer to the situation than I am are pretty confident he's gonna be getting back in there. And also again. It feels I, like I, the I, expectations there for that. Yeah, and, and I don't know honestly. Like, I don't. I don't think the Flyers uh, giving him a qualifying offer. I don't know if that necessarily means they're confident he will either. I think it's just. Well, I think they had asset. to for him. Yeah, not to become a free agent. Right. Exactly. Like they they had to do this. It's not like a, oh he's playing next year. We're, we definitely got to get him on a contract. It's it, you would do that because you're not going to lose an asset. So I. Right. Right. Exactly. There's really no, nobody's the tipping time, their like, hands anywhere. And also, you know, Patrick doesn't have to sign that, but he has basically no leverage in the situation to yeah, to really ask that's... for more. But it's I think it, it made sense for both Nolan Patrick and the Flyers to just play out this qualifying offer year and see what happens. But it, it just feels like from the moves the club has made or lack thereof, rather, that the expectation is for Patrick to be there and to be the third line center. Uh at this point, they haven't really gone after any forwards to to really no. fill in that bottom six. And it yeah. looks like, I mean, as of today, it appears the Flyers' plan is to use homegrown talent from the minors. And specifically, it really feels like Nolan Patrick to fill in that top, that bottom six. Yeah. No, and I... It does feel that way, and I don't know how much of that is just because of how tight the cap is now and how much... Like, it, I mean, Fletcher's talking about making some trades that uh, bring in pieces or uh, kind of fill out the roster, and that hasn't happened yet. And I don't know if it if, if it will happen, but, um, I, I mean, yeah, like I – it does seem like they're kind of pointing towards Patrick being there for game one, and I hope he is. And, again, I, I'm saying this with literally no, no ounce of knowledge either way. I mean, we if this all works out, Flyers could be getting on the cheap a really effective third line center who pitches in and gets I don't know if they're they're playing fifty six to 
60 games and he gets you like 10 goals and a bunch of points on the third line, that doesn't, uh, it's not a bad season for a guy who's missed over a year now. Uh, and I, I'm not saying that couldn't happen. I just want to see, I want to see a video of him taking a hit and shaking it off and getting up and then I'm fine. Like, cause I think this is what it all comes down to. It's been very touch and go with all of his health and even, even now when he has, like, last week he took part in that scrimmage or whatever, and it sounds like he's doing well, and I, I just want to actually see him partake in actual, like, contact practice now. That's where I am with him. That's fair, and I mean, <laughs> the problem is we're far away from that. We we don't know. We are far we're, away from that. Like, we're going to see like... him. We're speculating at this point. We're, we don't yeah, know like, when we're going to see hockey. We don't know we're, when we're going to get to see him practice with the team, let alone play with the team. And I just feel like at this point, we just want to see him continue to play in these scrimmages, play some hockey. Uh, if he could pick up, I don't know, any significant work somewhere, I would love to see it just to see him out there and kind of yeah. uh, prove himself a little bit. But I, I really do feel like the expectation, unless Chuck goes out, and gets a bottom six forward, specifically a center, the expectation is for Nolan Patrick to be on the bottom six for this team this year. And we know the guy's talented. And if you deny he's talented, you are just kidding yourself. He has a ton of talent. His hands are fantastic. The guy can pass. The guy can shoot. He is a really friggin' good hockey player when he's healthy. I just want to see that. I want to see him out there, and I want him... This is one guy I'm really rooting for, too prove all the haters wrong to to get out there and just show us what he's got because i know nolan patrick's an awesome freaking hockey player yeah no that's again it's all about just the the health for him because he he's shown flashes i still think about that goal against montreal in 2019 and he's shown he had some ridiculous setups uh his rookie season and but the flashes of brilliance are there so once he's healthy i expect it all to come together and i I don't know if he's going to live up to the potential that he had considering the 2017 draft for a while was considered the Nolan Patrick draft, but I still think he can be a tangible player. Like I still think he can bring, I think he can be an effective NHL player. Like I feel like if he's able to put this past him, I still expect some 20 goal seasons out of him. Again, a long way to go from the uncertainty we're in right now. But if, if he's able to get past this, I don't see any reason why he can't do that. I think he's got That's the talent the to be a top six forward. I, I know yeah, he's got no, the I talent to be that. a top six forward. Yeah. It's just he, he, the consistency and the health are the, the top two things. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, Nolan Patrick has signed the, the qualifying offer, which, you know, isn't uh, a ton of money on the cap. But the Flyers, you know, it's still pretty tight in the salary cap right now. They have about $4,811,148 4, $4, remaining in cap space. However, they do have one RFA to still sign, and he's a Phil pretty Myers. darn good uh. RFA. His <laughs> name is Phil Myers. So that, honestly, that might... So what we're looking at right now might just be Fletcher figures out Myers' number, and then he might end up... He might still have to move a contract somewhere. And I don't know if it'll necessarily be a ghost or a JVR, but he might have to move somewhere just to get some breathing room on the cap, like maybe a Rap or a Lawton. Because that's that's Myers' next contract is going to be in that that area. It feels like, or at least he's going to be pushing the team pretty close to the to the the limit there once he signs that deal. So we, I feel I like that's going to be next order of business. 
I think it depends a, a lot on what they do with him being an RFA, though, because the leverage is a, a very different situation in RFA, especially with oh yeah, yeah. right now, where I, I don't think you're... I wouldn't be shocked if they figured out a short-term, you know, a little lower than he probably deserves kind of deal uh, just to kind of figure things out until they can get back to a regular salary cap growth in the NHL. Yeah, I mean, that's... Sure, but I mean, even then, like, what what's a low end contract for Phil Myers? Like, it's gonna be over two. Sure, it's probably I mean, be closer to three. Like, I'm saying, but you don't have to I'm move anybody out if it's close. if it's two or three. Right. Yeah. But I mean, you are gonna be. You're still gonna be pretty fucking close to the cap, is what I'm saying. That's, I, guess. I mean, and if they Vegas want is over, Vegas and Tampa Bay are over the cap right now, so I'd yeah. rather I be mean, in this position. Oh, oh, no, I'm not saying it's the end of the world. I'm saying uh, if they're talking about they also still want some kind of salary cap space. Because, like, it's going to be... I guess teams are going to be walking into the season on pretty tight ropes anyway, though, this year. Like, all yeah. things considered, I guess. Yeah, so... They, I mean, how, right, how yeah. much does... I mean, it, it, this is a, a real question for me. How much does actually having space actually matter for this team? Like, is it an actual factor, or is it just for the flexibility to really make moves like because i i don't it, well, it's see, tough again, right I mean, now it because down, yeah it, it that and i feel like to me that hinders on if patrick's gonna play because if he's not playing then you need another forward and then if you sign myers to a deal that gets you to about a million and a half million in cash space and you got to go out and add somebody and patrick going on ir is not going to relieve that much money it's going to come it's going to become pretty close i don't know like it's it's not something they really have to press and worry about now because, like you just pointed out, Vegas is, I mean, they're, they've, like, doubled the cap, and it seems like they're not really too worried about it because they're going to have a couple years to figure this out before the next season starts. So it's not, like, a pressing issue, but I'm just talking in terms of, like, legitimate cap space, which, again, might, may not be an actual thing this year, all things considered, because uh, it's just uh, it's going to be a goofy season. It's going to be a real fucking weird season. <laughs> um, but, yeah. So Patrick back, baby, and uh, I, I just, you know, I, I just want to see him play. That's all, Steve. I just want to see him play, and I know he's good, and I just want to see him create and do those deaf little no look passes and setting up somebody for a dunk that he was doing a couple years ago. And you know, that's that's all I'm looking for out of our now, sweet baby boy. As far as as far as Myers goes, do you see a deal getting worked out anytime soon, or do you think that's just gonna no kind of go on for a hot minute? I mean, I, I think it might go on for a little bit of time because again, there's really no they they don't need to figure that out right now. I mean, I remember the stuff with the stuff with Proveroff and Konechny last year. I, don't know, I mean, if you remember that, that went on pretty deep into the summer, and it happened right before the season started. So. I'm not saying I'm expecting that with Myers, but again, if there's really, you know, you just pointed it out, and I think it's pretty obvious to most Flyers fans, uh, there's not too much in terms of positional, like, needs that this team needs to address right now. Like, they have, the season had to start next week. You could piece it together. And, like, the, the Flyers aren't going to be bent out of shape because, you know, oh, they got to do all these things. But they, they pretty much have most of their roster set in stone. Um, so, like, there's no rush for Phil Myers to do it, like, before the end of October or even November. And there's still other, other defensemen are going to have arbitration cases, and we'll talk about that in a little bit, and other defensemen are still RFAs that need to sign, and there's still going to be 
other free agent signings. So they might, both sides might be trying to use that for draft or not draft uh, for uh, contract comparables uh, to kind of figure out which side, you know, is going to win the case, I guess. So, and the good thing is, is he's not going to arbitration either. So they do have plenty of time to figure it out. If he had an arbitration hearing coming up, I think it'd be a little different, but it will, he, he does not. So I really, I, w- I want to say it's going to be a, a little bit of time. And you know, as I, as I say that, Steve, they're, they're going to sign him before this podcast goes up because that's just how this works. <laughs> that's just how this all. works on this podcast. Yeah, that's just how this guy, that's just how it happens. But you're just saying it, it could be a while. It could be, it could be a while. Yeah, it's been a while. Uh, but because they're really, again, we're, if the season starts, let's say the season actually does start. I mean, fuck, even if we go with the, the league's first aim date that they already, well, they already said January 1st. So, and then you figure training camp is like December 15th on. So he could sign in early December and, and nothing would be a problem. Like this is, this is the one move they need to do. Like this is it. Cause again, like you were just, you point out, like they do this, they're cap compliant and all the positions are filled and then they can put together a team. Cause I really, I don't know if he's going to push for another defenseman that has term because of the expansion draft. I think that throws a lot of things in the whack when it comes to who you're going to protect. If you get another defenseman and then I feel like the obvious answer everybody's thrown out there is just leave that defenseman exposed. And then the question is, do you want to use up assets and cap space for this season? Like, just to let a guy go in a year where the Flyers should be competing for a cup, but I wouldn't really say they're like the top of the top cup contenders this year. Like if they were, if they were really close, like if they had lost to Tampa Bay in the Eastern Conference Final, like six or seven games, and really given it to them, I would be pushing more for them to go out and sink assets into a guy to load up the top four, so this team can really compete again. But this might be a weird it's just a weird year with a weird set of circumstances where it kind of makes sense for them not to go out and get a guy for that has three years on his deal that he could leave open for Seattle to grab and then he'd lost a couple draft picks this year as well so yeah yeah I mean that's why we were seeing so many like the no movement clauses were such a big deal in free agency this year i mean that was half the reason we saw a couple moves like holtby to vancouver was a big move for them Mm -hmm. because then they Mm -hmm. could have a goalie that they could uh have available for seattle if they so chose and uh, i think jake allen's part of that too where the the canadians can just keep him out there no yeah yeah that'd be it yeah so maybe that's i mean they signed jake Jake allen Allen trading oh yeah but then what explains the cap hit i don't know still no, yeah, who knows? They're like, that feels like a very Mark Bergevin thing to do. He's like, you know, this is a good idea. Let me do something that makes it not quite a great idea, though. <laughs> Let me just <laughs> add a huge cap hit to Jake Allen, who's, you know, been yeah been Jake Allen a lot the last couple of years, and you never want to see that too often. Uh, but he, yeah, maybe he's fine in Montreal. I still want to see them do two goalies. He feels like a crazy enough GM that would just try it. Oh, yeah. Just yell at Claude Julien, just throw four and two out there. See well, how it goes down. And the important thing about the Montreal Canadiens is they need to have people who speak French or else it's not worth it. Or else it's not even real to them. Yeah. I'm sorry, Randy Cunningworth. Yeah. <laughs> uh, by the way, do you have, do you remember him? I, he was there for like half a season and he didn't speak French. I think that that's one of the main reasons I think he lost a job. <laughs> I think that's why I still reference like this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just that fucking right there. Cause that was just such um, a like hilarious hiring situation. <laughs> I, now, so my question was, I have one question about Patrick before you ask me a question, Steve. 
So you holster that. Wait, what was your question, first of all? I No, you go ahead, because mine was a transition, not a question. Okay, good. If Patrick doesn't play at all in 2020-21, where do you stand on Patrick? I think you got to give him another shot. I think you have to... I think yeah. you, I think you need to give him one more playing season. You have to, no matter how long it, it takes. Yeah. If this... And also, again, this is... If it wasn't this year, I think I might be leaning towards possibly giving up on him. But again, this is also another... Maybe not as crazy because he just missed this year, but assuming he's going to miss two straight years of full action is a little bit of a crazy leap to a con- uh, conclusion there. And uh, still has to be done, so we'll see. But uh, I... I don't know. I if he doesn't play for two full years, that might be a little. Uh, it's kind of pushing it, but who knows? I mean, as long as you're controlling his rights, I mean, you might as well give yeah, him a shot. Yeah, that's true. May as well keep kicking the, the can down the road. Yeah. You want to talk about the? I mean, the ceiling is extremely high, and it is. the Flyers don't necessarily have a ton of. I mean, they have a lot of high ceiling guys. What am I even talking about? But I mean, they don't have a lot of young center depth. He's a he's a second overall pick, right? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. I think you give him as many chances as you need, unless there's a team that's willing to come in and say, "Well, we'll give you a shit ton for this guy." And then you're like, "Okay, fine. We won't give him any more chances. We'll take your shit ton." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, wait, what was your segue though? Oh my god, I'm interested. Sorry the 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 segue just re- loses all oomph once you're. Once you go, what is your segue? What's the segue? What's your light uh, on? It? Now it's. Uh, for I, it. I just feel terrible about it now. It's. I just hate it now. No, no, go ahead. Get it out there now. Oh my god, this is awful. You thought it. We all have to hear it. You ruined my yeah. life. Um, <laughs> well, Patrick and Myers. Oh my god, stop it! Stop it! <laughs> While Patrick and Myers are considered flyers of the present, let's talk about some flyers of the future. There we go. That was nice. Okay. Yeah, let's talk about it. Uh, Flyers' future isn't as rosy as it was a couple years ago in terms of prospects, but that's also because the NHL team got a lot better. And uh, I'll take that trade off. But uh, according to Corey Pronman, uh, he did a organizational rankings uh, 2.0 uh, after the uh, post-draft rankings. So uh, before the draft, he had the Flyers ranked as the 10th uh, organization in terms of prospects and uh, young talent. Now they are ranked 12th. Uh, he gave the Flyers draft a C. Boo, uh, porn is, man, boo. Yeah, yeah, get out of here, Corey. Uh, this is what he had to say about the uh, Flyers prospect pool. A lot of the Flyers picks have aged well, as they've been efficient in the draft. they got a tremendous free agent signing in Igor Zamula. How 2017 number two pick Nolan Patrick ultimately pans out could swing the outcome of their future significantly. So there you go, actually. Pretty good segue uh, from the last talk we were talking about. So then uh, Promen also ranked the top 15 prospects. Uh, who are projected to be NHLers or better for each franchise. And I thought we could go through and just touch on a couple of those uh, players for the Flyers. So first first is Joel Farabee, and second is Carter Hart, which makes sense. Third is Nolan Patrick, which, again, out of everybody else on this list, is uh, the right spot. And I think third out of those three makes sense as well. Um, although I think I'd put Carter Hart above Joel Farabee right now. I don't know what that's about, actually looking at that. Um, but, yeah, anyway. Uh, Morgan Frost, fourth. Igor Zamula, fifth. Cam York, sixth. Bobby Brink, seventh. Ronnie Adderd, eighth. Uh, Ronnie Adderd, uh, 14 points in 30 games with Western Michigan University this season. After a 30-goal season in the USHL last year as a defenseman. I, I he, uh, I'm not going to say too much. I, I kind of like Adderd. 
a lot. I feel like he can fill an organizational need of a big guy that actually plays defense and looks like he chips in offensively to an extent. So, uh, Plus he sounds like four. a roadie for Metallica. Yeah, he absolutely sounds like a guy that just fucking smashes dude face and like out to the bar uh, uh, on the weekend. So big dude at six foot four, two oh nine. So he's definitely throwing hands. Uh, some issues with speed slash footwork. Nice little bit of a variation of skating. I like it. Um, but uh, looked pretty good at WMU this year with uh, uh, pretty favorable uh, matchups and uh, shelter minutes and everything. So. Like Adderd a lot. Wade Allison, I, I talked about him because Wade Allison was ninth, and we've been uh, we've been on the Wade train for a while now. His first AHL season is 2020-21. Finished his college career at the same university, WMU, uh, with 97 points in 106 games, 45 goals over four years, uh, which may not sound like a ton, but again, 106 games, 45 goals. Pretty good for a guy who had significant enough injuries a couple years ago that we weren't sure we'd be talking about him. Uh, and future plans, and that's probably why he's dropped a little bit on this list. If he had been healthy, he might be a little bit higher up and look like a more of a surefire dunk to be at the pro level. Um, tenth, Ty- Tyson Forrester, eleventh, Emil Andre, twelfth, uh, Connor McClemon. So there's a run on this year's draft class. Then Noah Cates, thirteenth. I like Noah Cates, fifth round pick in 2017. Twenty-three points, forty games for the University of Minnesota Duluth in 2018-19, and followed that up with thirty-three points in thirty-four games. Uh, for the same school uh, last season, and he's also set to be the captain for whenever uh, the NCAA kicks off 2020-21. 14th, Isaac Ratcliffe, and then 15th, last but not least, Tanner Lazinski. Tanner Lazinski should be seeing um, at the pro level as well uh, in 2021. So those are uh, a couple guys to keep an eye on. Uh, Wade Allison and Tanner Lazinski are guys we've been waiting on for a while now, and uh, this is going to be a pretty big step from jumping up to the pros. You've been talking and, about Wade uh, Allison on this podcast. We've been talking about Wade Allison since 65 years at this point. <laughs> we've been, I was really hyped about him after 2016 because I wanted to go watch his highlights. And all he did was score goals and then be an asshole with celebrations. And I was like, all right, I don't need to see this guy get paid to do this. That's a flyer right there. Yeah. And then he uh, got hurt a lot, had, what was it? Uh, pot, like, tore a shoulder ligament and a knee ligament at the same time or dislocated his shoulder and tore a knee ligament at the same time uh three seasons ago meant he meant ha- half the season uh, three years ago and then had to play like games off and on two seasons ago and then last year it looked to be fine again but it definitely took wind uh, some wind out of the sails in terms of being like a here comes wade Allison. like people were being really hyped about wade Allison coming up the, the prospect pipeline it felt like um and taylor's into somebody too who I mean, I've liked him for a while, too. It's just he's not the sexiest prospect because he's he's projecting as a middle six, like, two-way forward. And he's already playing in the NCAA. So it's not like we're going to be sharing Tanner Lezinski highlights nonstop on uh, on Twitter or anything. It's just kind of like, oh, he's still playing a solid all-around game. So, yeah, we'll see him in a couple of years, and we'll chip in, like, 30 points in the NHL or something. So, again, he'll be fine, uh, but nothing, nothing too crazy to write home about. I'm a little bummed to see I'm a little bummed to see Isaac Ratcliffe so far down on this list and I also saw him pretty low on uh Charlie and um Alex Appleyards. Yeah, like yeah, the athletic, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the athletic rankings that they did earlier for the Flyers prospects. Uh Ratcliffe was pretty low on those too. And I mean yeah. it seems like for good reason because of the AHL year he had, but 
Uh, it's just a bummer because I mean, given his, his physical attributes, I was really hoping, uh, that he would come up and, and be a beast, at least in the the bottom six, but, uh, not so good so far. Yeah. And I mean, I do think it was just, cause he had like six goals last year. And like, that's just when your thing is, you're known for being a big ass dude that just scores goals and you come away with six for a season, you're you're going to drop in value in a lot of places. And I think that was, I think the thing with him too, was there was a lot of, uh, he was dominating the score goals in the OHL. And I think there was an argument that it was just because he was bigger than everybody else. So I think that also may, because he was just able to kind of bully his way to the net and everything. And that may not be as easy to do against, uh, at the pro level. So, uh, he's, Again, unfortunately for him, he's got a pretty interesting season coming up for 2020-21, and who knows if he's going to get to play it or what that season's going to look like for him. But if he if he's able to put home more goals this year or at least look better and actually have better underlying numbers, then um, I'll believe him when I was Ratcliffe again. I was against him because I didn't like the whole idea of trading three picks for one pick, and also he's ginormous, which, again, the game's kind of – going towards speed more so i wasn't exactly 100 percent on board with that uh that pick but uh yeah i mean you'd like to see more out of them uh, uh looking at these rankings i guess there really isn't anything that's tyson forster being that low is a thing but i think that might just be poor, uh, prominent i almost said poor man. <laughs> that might just be prominent uh the slack just gets you man yeah <laughs> it's just the name it's of infectious yeah uh but uh, I, I would have liked to see Enforcer higher, but I, I think that is, I, I think that's because a lot of national people are kind of sleeping on Forster. It's like we were talking before. It seems like the, uh, if you think Forster is good, it's because you think the skating is going to pan out. But if you don't believe in the skating, it's fair to have that as a big question mark for Tyson Forster. Um, and again, we'll see. Uh, Flyers just drafted him, and it seems like he's already pretty aware that that his livelihood is going to come down to skating. So I'm thinking he's going to invest some time into trying to fix it. And we'll see. Um, but yeah, I thought he would have been higher. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Just get a uh, chase Kelly to, you know, talk to Paul Homer for you and get some free skating lessons in there and everything should be, uh, should be fine. I also think it's interesting that he has Igor Zamula above Cam York. I think that might just be a, uh, NHL arrival time projection. Because Zamula might be getting Zamula might be getting games this year, maybe if bodies start dropping on the Flyers blue line. Like um, I'm excited maybe. about the prospects of Zamula, but I mean Cam York is the higher upside. He's uh, yeah, he's, he's probably be. got the highest upside of any defenseman in the Flyers organization, not named Provorov or Sanheim. Did you see that fucking workout photo where it was like him doing like? That was ridiculous. And he had like chains and he had like fucking 10 abs. And yeah, I mean, that guy's a fucking animal. That guy, <laughs> like, I don't know if I'm ever, I'm never writing a report he, about him. Like, is I, I don't he fighting in Creed 3? Like, what's going on? I, don't, I have no idea, but he's got to keep shoveling all the anger and creatine into his body. And I want to see him start dropping. I want to see him put guys parallel at the NHL level. Like, I want to see him just be pissed and come in at like six foot four, 330 of muscle. And he's just going to throw people around. <laughs> Not, not at doing. all what was expected from Cam York, and he's just like, he actually turns into what people thought Sam Maroon was going to be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's just doing fucking, like, power cleans in between periods and just throwing kids around. Yeah, I, I, he's going to be, he he looked like, a, he was fucking yoked, and uh, apparently that, like, he, he looks for, like he's very for the NHL right now. 
So he's going to keep progressing out on Michigan, and he'll be uh, he'll be fine. Again, the Flyers on the back end, the Flyers seem to be okay for a little bit of time because they do have, I mean, Provorov, Sandheim, and hopefully Myers for a while. And then you have these two guys, and they should be pretty sad. I somebody might be moved for help up front, but those guys are pretty some some pretty good names to have there. And goes to if you're you know still into that, which I kind of. But, I sheepishly raise my hand here. Yeah, I was going to say. It's, uh, I yeah, still it's, love uh, Ghost. <laughs> we're going to have 2020. We're going to have podcasts in 2021 still defending why the Flyers are okay to still have Ghost on the roster. Like, we're going to be, I feel like we're going to be that podcast. Which, again, I'm not totally against it. I think I'm fine with that. I don't know. 45, I, 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 <laughs> wait, 15 years ago, he's, he had an MVP caliber season. <laughs> and I'm not letting it go. Steve, MVP's a little much. MVP! <laughs> yeah, that's right. Everything just grows and grows. It's like, yeah, he had 100 points in 2017-18, but nobody wants to talk about that. He set the, the NHL NBA. record for defensive scoring. <laughs> I think that was Paul Coffey, Steve. Shut up! Look, he had the most ice time, the most goals, the most keeps, and the most power play assists for any defenseman in the history of hockey for this five-year span. I think we got to keep on the team. Just got to keep him around. Got to keep him around. Steve, are you feeling okay? No. Steve, I feel like you may not be feeling okay. I'm going to talk about segues. Uh, because you just saw the Flyers leaked apparent third jersey. And my God, those things are... Uh, they're technically a jersey. I'll say that. They're weird. They're they're definitely weird. Look, they're, they're, no, we can't argue about that. They're weird. Uh, I don't know if I like them. I don't, is what I'm leaning towards. Like um, I don't think I like them. <laughs> Let me put it that way. I I really I really don't because like now that I'm looking at the aesthetics, like and if you want to uh, look this up, it's aesthetics that shared the leak. Uh, it's looking at it and seeing that it is just the exact. It's the same as like the '80s away jerseys, or even like the. Yeah, it's more the '80s. It's not like the or the '90s orange. Too. It's the '80s uh, '90s one. I mean, so yeah. essentially. What the concept is, is they are doing retro jerseys, but they're doing reverse colors. So essentially what you're seeing is they've interchanged the orange, black and white on the jerseys to be in different parts, but left the the emblem alone. So you've got the, the black base, you've got white sleeves, you've got the orange stripe and you've got an orange uh, shoulder, which is... It's weird for sure, but it we also yeah. we also discovered in the Slack that <laughs> it's basically the Phantoms jerseys. Oh yeah, I can kind of see that now. But I mean, what they're going for is kind of a cool idea and much better executed on the leaked Pittsburgh Penguins jerseys because the Penguins jerseys, the Penguins ones, yeah, they're just their late '90s uh, Pittsburgh jerseys, the black ones, you know the as they were calling it, I think, on Pennsburg, the, the Snoop Dogg jerseys, because he wears them. Yeah, I was going to say, I do think about that, yeah. <laughs> but it it's that, but just a, like, white version of that, essentially. And that's yeah. a great idea. Great. That looks good, yeah. I did see, I think it was Russian Machine Never Breaks, uh, also had news on a potential Capitals one. And, again, these are all leaks Ooh, and rumors, leak? but pretty substantial ones. Oh, I, I'll send it over to you. But it, uh, so they're going with the Screaming Eagle. Do you remember the Screaming Eagle jersey? Oh, yeah, I remember this. Yeah. 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 So they're going with the Screaming Eagle, but, like, a red jersey? 
instead of because remember the screaming eagle was on that like that like aqua turquoise yeah yeah Yeah. all right here we go i think it might be do you find it i was about to send it over. no go ahead and send it go ahead and send it okay uh, please send it over to me sorry i didn't mean that (laughs) you could i mean you could have demanded it it's totally fine with me but it's I don't know. I don't like that one either, but that one's even weirder to me because that one's kind of betraying the, the retro aspect where it's just got like the design, but not the colors. Like don't go with the current colors, go with the ones that would be true to the time, but reversed. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But I guess the reverse would just be, cause that was essentially their home and away Jersey at the time. Yeah. Yeah. So you can't really do one for, for that. Yeah. Those jerseys were, I, I, I didn't really, I mean, those jerseys are terrible, but like the ones where they made the aqua or like the, the dark green that the main color I thought looked all right. Considering like the color for the, what a weird color for the Washington Capitals. (laughs) To have, yeah, it was a weird, look, there's a lot of things the Capitals probably don't want to talk about for like the 90s, but uh, it did. I mean, that was, uh, those were the early Ovechkin days. That's back when uh, fucking Dinah Zubris was his linemate and he was out there scoring some of the most ridiculous goals in hockey history. He was wearing those puppies on a line. I think it was him, Jeff Alpern, and Dinah Zubers were all on the same line. That was back before people cared about hockey in Maryland. It was an insane time to be alive. Now, all these okay. Dinah Zubers. I can kind of see how this works, but I don't know. It still the, feels... So the, the Flyers one is weird just because... As many people have pointed out, I, I, you know, a couple people pointed out, I think Kelly was the first one I saw point this out, but uh, it looks like a, a Foreman Mills knockoff. I personally yep. like Bill Matz's uh, comparison the best. It looks like something I'd pick up at the Sports Authority in the late 90s, which is 100% <laughs> what this looks like to me. And it, it, it looks it like a weird knockoff. Feel. Yeah. It, it does have that feel. Knockoff. That's a problem. But it's like, I almost... I almost like it. Like, I like the idea. And I'm sorry, it's an orange base, black shoulders, white sleeves, orange stripe. So it, I almost like it. I like a lot of the ideas, but I really just want the Flyers to wear retro jerseys at the end of the day. And it's just a yeah. tease for what I actually want versus like, I don't understand what the NHL's problem is here because MLB has now for a few seasons uh, successfully instituted retro jersey programs for most of their teams and it's awesome it's one of the things that gets the fans most excited and mlb's fucked up a lot in recent years but <laughs> like the phillies Elvis? what a hot dumpster fire this year but damn were they a good looking hot dumpster fire in their powder yeah. throwbacks oh yeah i think i think that's the secret is we need the league to just have powder blue jerseys i feel like every jersey i'm like that looks fucking awesome it's just like like the twins have one uh the rays have one uh the royals have one like any team that has we don't need to talk about team. we do not need to talk about this blue flyers jersey again in the late 90s <laughs> it's not for the flyers. dig it up I, let's do it baby hell yeah i mean look at these thing, jerseys I don't know, like, I don't think they're the dumpster fire that a lot of people think they are, but they're not good. They're, they're weird. They just make me feel like something's wrong. Like, it's like I'm, I'm viewing an alternate universe flyers where somebody just kind of fucked up and I'm like, why did they do that? I don't know. No, it's exactly what Bill and Kelly were talking about. It feels like the, I've seen this jersey on a bunch of dudes uh named tony from south philly that just won't shut the fuck up about stuff at flyers games like this is the same exact jersey it looks like like a really cheap knockoff that like nobody wanted to actually like spend money on that's what the format looks like 
but like the arms, like if they had more, like I, I feel like the, the I shoulders... honestly think the shul- it's either the shoulders or the sleeves, but something's got to be changed up because that's, that's there's got to be like. more, yeah, like the whatever color they went with on the bottom, like so they have the black over the the back. And going down on the arms and about like the elbow, it has like the orange and black stripe, and then the white from there there down. If they had either just full black arm like sleeves, or if they had the white going up to like maybe over top the numbers, like the placement of like where the colors bleed on the arms is too weird for me. I think that's a big thing that's killing me right now. Like it looks like it it just looks like a weird spot on the shoulder to kind of have to cut off. Like I think you got to have it in the numbers. Or like up around the shoulders, and then just it's the combo of both that don't look great. That's I just don't my like the opinion long from white a guy sleeves. that doesn't know about fashion. Yeah, no, that's fine. I mean, like that's fine too. I that's there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of we're just focused on the sleeves. I think this whole thing's hot garbage. Like there's just I see. I don't. I don't, know, like, I don't think the whole thing's hot garbage, but I think it's just weird. It's off. I mean, I, I don't know, but do I? I I, I, feel I think like I you don't see... hate it. I feel like you don't hate it because it's the '90s orange, right? Well, it's kind of like those the are my favorite orange. jerseys. Those are my favorite. Yeah, jerseys. so I yeah. think that's what's keeping this alive for you. But the rest of it is just the train wreck. I mean, I don't know, you know though. I mean? Like, I like certain elements of it better than, say, like for instance, the alternate black jerseys right now. Like, I think the overall design's like kind of cool, but the readability of it is friggin' horrible. Oh, yeah. Like I go to a game, I I can't legitimately can't tell what numbers and names are on the back. It's really bad, yeah. and like I don't know. I I feel I feel like I I almost there's some things I almost like about this, but it's not again just because it has that knockoff feel. It's not quite there, and it sucks because again the Penguins one the Pittsburgh throwback looks great. It looks. Like yeah, it they had an easy it looks exactly right. Yeah, they had an easy solution. Yeah, they had an easy That's Pittsburgh. Place there. The, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Classic. Uh, they, uh, right? <laughs> they, uh, but yeah, and the Flyers don't really have that option, I guess. Because, yeah, like you said with the Cavs one, too, like this was, it wasn't the third that they're going off of. Like, it, you know, one day soon we'll have the Flyers uh, doing a third. The at the Oppa, the Bizarro World third of those two thousand six oh seven third jerseys that you love so much, or like the orange jerseys that you love. Well, the, uh, Craig, silver, uh... what I'm actually noticing now that I'm taking another look at the side by side between the the eighties jersey and this one is the shade of orange. I almost feel like if they had actually gone with the shade of orange from the eighties jersey, which is like a darker, like almost bright yeah. orange. Instead of this lighter current orange, this like almost creamsicle that they're using now, not quite creamsicle, but almost like I Mm -hmm. feel like I would like it maybe a little better if it had gone with that. But instead, it's why? Why is there a reason why they can't figure out what fucking color code they use for like the burnt orange back on that? Why have they not hit that exact color orange in all these multiple jerseys we've had to watch? Like why? Like that's what it's getting lighter every time. It's get, they're getting close. They're getting no. It's getting close. lighter every time. It's getting lighter. Yeah, they got cl- yeah. They're moving away from it now. But like they, like if they did that, because I think if you made it that orange, with the rest of it, all right. I, I would it'd be a step it. in just, the right direction. But it's yeah. Because all I quite... think about when I see that orange, I just think of Lindros. So I'm like, all right, well, you can talk me into anything now. So what, what are you going to sell me on? But they, right. uh, they just don't want to do it. 
not not feeling it. I don't know. I, I don't know, man. It's just, but again, just give us the retro throwbacks that we all want. That's yeah. all we want. Just give us that. Just and by the way, a couple times a year, and that's all. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah, exactly. and sell them in the store. Won't. Yeah, and looking at it now, they did. This is, it, can I? I just want to go on one more mini rant against fanatics because I just. Oh yeah, go ahead. The fact that I can't get retro NHL shit, I want to spend my hard-earned cash on good retro NHL shit, <laughs> and they have just taken it all away. There's nothing out there unless I go dumpster diving on eBay. You monsters, get another deal <laughs> with Mitchell and Ness. Let me buy retro NHL shit. Yeah. No, I'll, I'll co-sign that, even though it's definitely more. You'll be the one buying more stuff. But, yeah, they need to, they need to have more options back there. I'm looking at uh, looking at it now. It is the exact opposite of, like, because when you look at the sleeves, they did just flip the white and the black. But still, like, I feel like that looks better. I guess it's the two dark colors as being, like, the majority of the jersey doesn't, just doesn't look great. Right. They neither either right. have no need that like no white in the sleeves or all of it. Like I don't know. You need so more high. contrast and the, the dark yeah. on dark and and just given what those colors are, it, the orange and the like, it's just not. It, it, it just say, ends up looking like a, a weird knockoff. So you uh, for the new ones, you keep everything the same except you make the numbers, uh, the Catherine alternate letters, and the black and the Flyers P. You make them all white. What are our thoughts? If you want contrast, that's where I'm at right now. Ooh, if we're getting weird, about, let's get you weird. talking about you talking about messing let's with the logo? logo. Yeah, let's mess mm. with the logo. <laughs> My least favorite Flyers jersey of all time does that that number one cardinal sin, and I've never <laughs> forgiven it for that. You know, I actually put out earlier, uh, you know, a tweet about those jerseys, and people actually defended those jerseys from around 2005. Those oh, orange man. alternate jerseys, those things are atrocities. I hate them so much and i own one folks i own one i wore it to the the outdoor game <laughs> peter forsberg <laughs> one and uh, funny enough charlie and i had very similar stories uh on this matter where both of us had asked our parents for a uh an orange flyers jersey for a certain player his was Gagne, mine was forsberg and we ended up getting that third jersey instead of the good orange 90s jersey that we wanted <laughs> That's, uh, I think that's how everybody's stories go. I think I got, ended up getting uh, a blank jersey for mine when I got it way back in the day. It's just the, the logo's the wrong. The the numbers are oh, just yeah. these. Oh, like, yeah. Everything is just weird about And God damn, that pattern on the sleeves is just, oh, it's so I had, ugly. I had, there was like a weird hand-me-down jersey that my dad gave me that like in first grade where it was, there was like, the Flyers logo looked normal, except like, and like the white piping that goes around the entire like flying P, there was orange lining on the inside and outside of it, and then another like circle of black piping around that level of orange. So it's just like way too many layers around like the. I was like, I don't know what I'm looking at right now. And then the rest <laughs> of it was just like the bur- It was like the the old burnt orange and uh, everything else, but it was pretty. Uh, and it didn't have sleep. It was just a goofy looking jersey. I have no idea where it is now. I'm trying to think and- if it could be. I gotta find it now. About, that does sound goofy, but and we talked yeah, about burnt orange, it. by the way. But the 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 problem with this 2005, you know, whatever uh, third jersey is that the orange is too dark. It's just like way too dark, like almost red. My opinion is they didn't do enough with the logo. I think they need to spice up. Yeah, should it be like a hologram. Yeah, yeah, I think they should. 
they should just make the flying P uh, just uh, personify it. Just make him a walking and talking like a uh, creature and give him like arms and legs, like stick figure arm and legs and like he's waving and smiling at you and just call him Fly the Flyer. There we go. That's my have... idea for, yeah. Why don't we just have 16 mascots like the Phillies? You know, there's the Fanatic Why and then there's the Galapagos <laughs> gang. These high weirdos that hang out with the Fanatic and sometimes <laughs> eat each other. And then it's it's all horrifying. The Galapagos gang, horrifying. Look, if you're telling me we can extend Gritty's, like, like mascot family, okay. You, you don't want more Gritty's at, at the game? The Gritty gang sounds horrifying. Yeah, it would be terrifying, and it would be like the new Philly flu. Nobody would come to Philly because of the mascots. That would be... We're doing That's this. your dream. I'm writing You've a had dreams like that. Yeah, no, I, I have, and I wake up in a cold sweat every single time. So I will... Uh, I dream the dream a letter to, uh, of the Gritty gang terrifying <laughs> people. Write a letter to uh, to Scott right now. Get it going. There you go. Get it going. Yeah. Now, <laughs> I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens with these. I do need to see an official mock-up. Also, we don't know that these are 100% actually going to happen, but people seem right. pretty sure about this, and Aesthetics is a pretty reliable site. I, I really yeah. can't see them reporting on this unless it's uh, likely going to happen. But who knows? Who knows? It may not happen. But it's probably going to happen. If, yeah. But I, I want to see official pictures. I want to see them in uniform. Uh, and, like, I, I wonder if they'll do something weird with, like, the helmets again, like they did at the last Stadium Series game for the Flyers and Penguins. If you do that, guys, oh, yeah. and this is a plea from me to the Philadelphia Flyers, if you do something with, weird with the helmets again, don't just plaster the Flyers logo on awkwardly on the helmet. Actually make it wings on the helmet because it's a flying bee you've got wings right there just do the wing pattern it would look great. i like it yeah i think they should do that or uh like you know how the eagles uh like well, well like the eagles do where it's like the ink though the wings kind of match up correctly on each side uh right. you do that but it's you make it so it's like gritty with his helmet and flow so then each player it looks like they're looking out through gritty's eyes and then the rest <laughs> of it is painted with I'm going on a big gritty kick right now. Just that why. Big fan of what he, I love his work. Yeah, he's doing great. And I I think we should see more of that, is what I'm saying. That's what I'm getting at here. We're talking jerseys. We're talking shop. Let's talk shop. Let's talk turkey. Let's get in there. And uh, get the Flyers. Greg Forsyth, the new director of gritty marketing for the Philadelphia Flyers. <laughs> I'm just going to get in with the big wigs with the Flyers, and that's the only thing I'm going to talk about. They're like, what's the one thing you'd upgrade with the fan experience? I'm thinking two gritties. The one gritty's been working out. Why not more? And that's uh, you guys will be welcome for that. Can you guys make gritty uh, jerseys? Can the the players have googly <laughs> eyes on the jerseys? Can the players wear googly eyes? I'll go in eighty two if it means I'm going to laugh the entire time. Might be worth it, you know. There's been a lot of seasons where they've come pretty close to zero eighty two, and I haven't been laughing. So if I'm going to get yucks eighty two times a year, I'm I'm fine with that. I can live with that. It's all about the yucks. Uh, yeah, and I guess. What most people in Toronto can live with now is that they have Joe Thornton on their roster. And with that said, Stephen, we're going to talk about NHL free agents and uh, guys who have signed and some dudes who are still out there. Jumbo uh, Joe went was... home. Jumbo Joan, hashtag went home. And, uh, Jumbo Joan. Uh, Jumbo Joan. That, that is not, that was an accident. Jumbo Joan. Jumbo Joan, Joan uh, Jet. <laughs> 
that's just that's just show Thornton with like dyed black hair and like a leather jacket. <laughs> yeah, he loves to rock in Toronto. I couldn't I couldn't think of anything. Whatever. Uh, one year, seven hundred K for Jumbo Joe. Uh, Thirty-one points in seventy games last season. Fifteen thirty ice time a night. Honestly, not not the worst third line option. Uh, and again, wouldn't have mind possibly being in on that for one year. Uh, but it sounded like he was only had his eyes probably in one place for going, and that would have been uh, the Leafs. He did sign with H.C. Davos last year in the, or last week in the NLA, switching his top league. He had one assist in one game for saying uh, Audi, and he left and he came back to Toronto. And uh, according to uh, the Twitter, he will be the first 97 in Maple Leafs history, which is amazing because the Maple Leafs have been. I mean, they got a Stanley Cup draft that's almost a century year old. So to find a jersey for people that have been playing, like, that's pretty impressive. Also, TJ Brody, the first 78, apparently. Um, and while we're at it with jersey numbers, uh, Wayne Simmons, our boy, will be wearing number 24. And Zach Bogosian will be wearing 22. And that brings us to the Flyers real quick, because I forgot to put this in the outline somewhere else. But uh, Eric Gustafson will be wearing number 56. I didn't know if we've talked about that yet on the show, but that is, of course, uh, according to the website. And multiple other websites with his number being 56. So uh, he'll be the fourth 56 in Flyers history if he wears 56. And uh, do you remember the other three, Steve? Slash, have you looked at the outline yet? I have not made it that far down the outline. 56. So take a get. There are three other ones, and one of them is a bit of trivia that you may know. The other two are recent players that uh, it would be understandable if you forgot about them. If we're being honest. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I can't think of a 56 off the Okay, so uh, Drew's first two games in the NHL, he's 56 back in the Ah, uh, yes, yes. So that little thing. Uh, Tyrell Goldborn uh, spent nine games, I believe, in 2017-18 as number How could I uh, 56. That? I saw him. I was at, not the brag, and I'm about to go with a big Tyrell Goldborn story here, but I was at his first NHL game, Stephen, and... Uh, my buddy had tickets for him and his girlfriend, couldn't go to that game, gave them to me and one of my other friends, and we were about nine rows off the ice in the corner where Tyrell Goldborn planted Petrangelo to set the first goal, and uh, I'll tell you what, Steve, that was probably the best moment of Tyrell Goldborn's life, and I was right there for it, and it was pretty exciting, and uh, so yeah, here's a 56, and then Mike McKenna, extremely, extremely nice man, very bad goalie, uh, but he was number 56, and part of the gritty uh, helmet all things. Of- Two years ago. Yeah, 2019, yeah. Uh, total of 12 games, by my account, have been played by 56. So that'll be two for Drew, nine for Goldborn, and then the one for McKenna. So Gustafson should shatter that record uh, if he does decide to go through number, number 56. And uh, yeah, again, this is the second, third week of free agency. So not a lot going on out there. Uh, Mike Hoffman's still available. Uh, Anthony DeClaire is still out there. Some names I, I looked at and thought maybe the Flyers might be interested if they were to, you know, get exciting and make a trade or cut somebody in the next month or two and they need or they feel uneasy about Patrick. Uh Carl Soderberg and Eric Holla are two names that are just kinda out there. And uh Soderberg would be a guy that you could probably talk into a one year deal and he wouldn't, I guess, kill you playing uh third line minutes. Uh, just a very unflattering half a point per game player, honestly. Uh, 35 points in 70 games last season, 17 goals, 
for the Coyotes, and he has 280 points, 103 of which are goals in 552 games over eight seasons. So he was a guy I was looking at, and Eric Halla had, uh, I mean, he was a guy with the, the Panthers and uh, the Vegas Golden Knights in Minnesota, and um, I mean, he would be, he had a lot more appeal, I guess, before this season, didn't really have the best uh, season this year. Uh, so he might be even cheaper to get, but I think those two might be names to watch if it becomes apparent that Fletcher's back in the market for a 3C, which again, it doesn't even look like that's the case. So we could be coming up on a lot of standing still time here again, um, kind of like we did have back in from uh, like March through, I guess, the middle of July, right? So there's going to be a lot of just uh, us taking guesses at what's going to happen. And then we'll just go from there. So that's me throwing out Carl Soderberg and Eric Hola as two guys to watch if weird stuff shapes up and uh, Fletcher does tip his, tip his toes back into the uh, the 3C market. Um, other free agent stuff we got to talk about. The big one, I mean, we got to talk about Cody Ceci becoming a penguin. I mean, again, oh, GMJR, just the gift that keeps on giving. He keeps nailing it out of the fucking park. And I mean, I, I love how he was just like, all right, Jack John- Johnson's gone. You don't have to worry about him anymore. However, you are going to have to worry about Cody Cece because we're bringing him in, folks. Like, I just picture that being like the same press conference. Like, he's just waving Jack Johnson goodbye, and then he's just waving Cody Cece. And it's the same old thing. Like, I mean, Cody Cece, not good. I think he's a little quicker. Doesn't make him better at defense. He's, he's still pretty bad at a lot of the stuff you want hockey players to be good at. And uh, He's a little less expensive, and that's pretty much the only advantage. Yeah, and if you are the Penguins, you need to worry about cap space right now, too, which, I mean, is just... And again, by the way, Crosby and Malkin are a little bit older uh, this week than they were last week, and they're not getting any younger, so you got to remember that with all these signings. And uh, one year, $1.25 million for 2020-21. Uh, and the whole thing with him is his numbers have been... Yeah, I mean, they've been some of the worst for a while. And then Toronto, his numbers weren't overtly terrible. But they were still pretty bad, all things considered. And then the Leafs even went to go bad for him and said that, according to their internal numbers, he was doing fine. And whenever a team says that, by the way, when their internal numbers that nobody is willing to do the work to find the actual numbers for, or it just seems like something they're kind of saying, they're just saying it. Because that's what came down to Cody CC. So Cody CC's thing with Toronto was, in terms of limiting chances or shots against, his numbers weren't terrible, actually decent. Except when you look at how much offense or how many chances he generated while he was out there, like how many of the chances the Leafs generated, he was the bottom of the team for all of it. So he I mean, was that's better. basically was... like that's basically like when Rutherford came out about Jack Johnson at the end of the season. He's like, he wasn't that bad. He did. He it was pretty okay. Yeah, like, and it was like like CC's year last year was kind of like I think a lot of people that want Cody CC to be good are like, well, he had great defensive numbers. And it's like, yeah, but he literally provided no, like no offense at all. Like it was, it was counterproductive because then you're just waiting for the death by the thousand paper cuts or whatever. Like you're just waiting for all the bad chances to go in against them. And again, his numbers weren't that great. Even with that said, of the sixth Toronto defenseman last year that played over 800 minutes at five and five, CC was six with a 50.87 expected goals, four percentage. Again, that's not, like, he was above 50 expected goals for percentage. So it wasn't that bad, but he was still the sixth highest and rated compared to his teammates. Uh, his 2.2 expected goals against for 60 was second best, but his 2.28 expected goals for per 60 was the lowest of the six. So, again, 
doing moderate in terms of limiting chances, but just not doing anything offensively. So it's kind of more the same. It's not going to be as terrible, but he's just not good, and he just doesn't solve any problems for the Penguins. And I, I like what he's building out there. I got to give it to GMJR. He's really, he's making a meal of it. He's really fucking it up, and I really appreciate that. And again, he's I'm only kind of, of worried. <laughs> I'm really only kind of worried about it, because uh, again, I'm worried about the time with Shane right now. Like that's the only galaxy brain fear I have. Because we're talking about the Penguins here, folks. We're talking about. A team that went from their owner was like talking to Kansas City about what can you do for me, and then the next year they won a Stanley Cup. Like this is just a team that falls that has so much luck handed to them. It's just kind of insane. So for Jim Rutherford to be actively losing trades in real time that the entire where is the league of, yeah, I I kind of think Pittsburgh is going to luck into getting the next generational talent so we can watch Crosby and. Malk and laugh it up with him as he sets him up for goals like we had two with Crosby and Lemieux. So I'm just, I'm waiting for that. I'm, I'm nervous about that, Steve. That's my main fear right now. Well, we can't think about that. We can't live in fear, Craig, so let's just live it That's laughing let's live our, our rivals' slow demise, and it's far too slow. Please accelerate this demise. <laughs> let's Let's instead focus on the things that are happening around us, like uh, J.C. Howard let go on the Vancouver and Joe Key Nordstrom going to the Flames. Uh, those are some other free agent signings I want to point exciting. out. Uh, players, uh, very exciting. Decent addition by the Vancouver Canucks, and uh, Nordstrom is leaving the Bruins, who are having the, the couple key names leaving them uh, this offseason, uh, we're pointing out. And uh, I also, the last thing I want to talk about is Jeremy Bracco and Darren Radish going to different teams. Bracco was taken 61st overall in 2015. He the, that pick was originally belonged to the Blackhawks, who then traded these their second-round pick to the Flyers in a deal for Timonen. And because Timonen played enough during the 2015 postseason, the Flyers had a fourth-round pick that became a second-round pick. The Flyers used that second-round pick in a deal to the Maple Leafs to move up to 24th and take Konechny. I That was just a long-winded way to say that Hexall did some work that day. And Bracco, I liked Bracco that draft. Steve, I remember talking about Bracco on our 2015 free draft podcast, which I think was the second podcast we ever did. And I was I was team Bracco because he's a small American who's putting up a ton of points, and I thought he was going to keep doing that because, uh, again, game is getting to be more about speed, but uh, didn't really have a strong pro season last year. Uh, 30 goals and 94 points in 65 games for the U.S. national team during his draft season. However, last year he had 34 points in 44 games, four of which were goals for the Marlies. And again, 34 points in 44 games isn't bad, but uh, four goals as a uh, dynamic forward is a little concerning. Darren Radish was a um, it was another prospect that had signed with the Blackhawks and recently let go, I believe, by the Lightning. But uh, was another prospect that has kind of been fizzling out and might be getting a change of scenery with the Rangers. I don't think he's going to do anything with the Rangers, but he is a name. That people know. So, uh, and with all those names that people know, people might know these names of the arbitration cases coming up. Not a great segue, but I, I mean, there's not your best. There, so, no, not, not good at all. So, uh, a bunch of players have already avoided some of the hearings they were supposed to have. They were supposed to start uh, today, the 20th, uh, and it was supposed to be Andrew Mangiapane, Anthony D'Angelo. Um, and I think Matt Grizzly, yeah, and they all avoided uh, arbitration. Anthony D'Angelo, Anthony D'Angelo signed last week before we recorded. Grizzly avoided arbitration, stays in Boston for four more years at $3,687,500 a year. 
Maggiapane avoids his arbitration case and stays in Calgary for two years at $2,425,000 a year. So Wednesday was supposed to be Ilya Mikhaev's uh, hearing arbitration case for him and the Maple Leafs. He signed a deal tonight, uh, two years, $1,645,000 a year. Uh, Freeman was reporting that Toronto wanted two years at $1 million for him, while Mikhaev wanted one year at $2.7 million. Uh, and it looks like they kind of met in the middle, which is uh, usually how this works. A little more on the, the Leaf side, but anyway. Uh, 23 points, eight of which were goals for him in 39 games last year and his first NHL season coming over from the KHL. And uh, that is the last... The, the next arbitration case will be Connor Brown on the 22nd, Thursday. And then after that, Tyler Produzzi on the 25th, Linus Allmark on the 26th, Sam Reinhardt on the 27th. Uh, and then by that time, we should have recorded by uh, then. And I'll fill you in by, uh, with who's coming up after that. But uh, Tyler Produzzi, by the way, I want to point this out. I get why he's going. He has a case uh, against the, the Red Wings because... Think about how bad the Red Wings have been the last two years. And this guy has back-to-back 20-goal seasons. I mean, that's you, tip of the half of that guy. I mean, uh, you know, his dad isn't really the the greatest guy, I guess. But he's, uh, he's, he's putting some goals up there in Detroit. And uh, not a lot of other people are actually producing points up there. So good good for him for getting hey, a payday. That's a first-place team situation. this year, let me tell you. Oh, is that what somebody said? <laughs> No, nobody said that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we're going to be like, I, I don't know how I missed that dumb comment from somebody, but uh, I'm going to bury that, them right now. The only dumb comment on that is me just now very sarcastically. <laughs> <laughs> I get jokes. Uh, also, other players scheduled further down the road for arbitration cases, but I've already sound are Alexander Georgiev. He signed for two years, $2,425,000 a year. And then uh, the center's Nick Paul. Not Logan Paul uh, signed for two years, one point three five million dollars. Oh, that was a, a reference. Year and also, yeah, right. Let's come with that. Yeah, no, look, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry about that. Yeah, I, I didn't mean to do that. I mean, they're, you know, he's, but uh, you know, whatever. Uh, and then the Flyers don't have any arbitration cases because it'd only be, well, now it would only be Myers, and they did not have a case, uh, scheduled. So, uh, yeah, and. Uh, Again, no segue for this, so Steve, I'm just going at it. Sorry about that. But uh, the Blackhawks today uh, wrote a fan to their or a letter to their fans. They didn't write a fan to their letters um, that uh, they will now be rebuilding, and that's just exactly oh, wow. what Jonathan Taves wanted to hear. So, uh, and they used they literally used the term rebuilding in the letter, which is kind of it's funny to us, not for the Blackhawks fans probably, but pretty it's refreshing that somebody actually said it. Uh, we're committed to developing young players and rebuilding our roster. We want more than another window to win. We want to reach the summit again and stay there, an effort that will require a stockpile of emerging talent to complement our top players. The influx of youth and their progression will provide roster flexibility and depth throughout our lineup. Uh, so I went he through went the on roster. To add, he went oh, on to add, this should happen just in time for Taves and Kane to retire. Yeah, just just in time. So, first of all, if you're going to rebuild, uh, got to throw those guys onto the table. They've got to be on the table to move now. And Because uh, if not, you're just going to kind of be, uh, I don't know, you're just going to be doing a bigger version of what the Flyers are doing, which is having veteran contracts that kind of look like they're too big for the moment and nobody wants them, and also trying to rebuild on the fly, which, uh, I'll tell you what, it's quite worked yet, but... 
We'll see how it goes. Uh, do so. Do you want anything well, on the Blackhawks? Look, yeah, I know that was kind of an oversimplification. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. I've seen people give the Flyers a lot of shit for the the retooling, but at the same time, like, I don't know. The Senators tanked forever and hasn't done shit. The Oilers tanked for like ten years and it didn't do shit. So I I don't know. I, I th- yeah. There can be a way to retool. Uh, I don't think the Blackhawks are doing a very good job of it. Oh, no, no. The Blackhawks are doing a pretty bad job of it. Like It, it just seems like an excuse for poor management, really. Yeah, no, that's that's really what it is. I mean, the Flyers really aren't... I mean, outside of like the Giroux and Borchek contracts, there's really not like a... I mean, Chicago's got to figure out Kane, Taves, and, and Keith now. So, and, and Seabrook and Seabrook. So, yeah, Seabrook's a bad one. Seabrook's, the, I mean, I don't know how they're going to get out of that one, but, um, yeah. Uh, players with one year left on that deal, though, from the Blackhawks. And, um, there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and three of them just signed this year. So, Zach Smith at 3.25 million, Matthias Yalmark at 2.25 million. David Kampf, one million, and he's an RFA after this year. Lucas Walmark, nine hundred fifty k RFA after next year. Alexander Nylander, eight hundred sixty three thousand. Uh, Nikita Zadorov, and then Nick Sealer. So, I want even putting the cap hits aside. I want one of those guys, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of them, uh, no, thank you. Like I, I kind of want Walmark, and that's about it like Zadorov's a big dude that just hits and scores some goals but like isn't great Nick Sealer's terrible at the sport Alexander Nylander's a bust David Kampf is they thought he was going to be Marcus Kruger and he isn't and then Zach Smith has been he's been Zach Smith for a while now and uh, I don't know why the Blackhawks paid on that much money uh and uh, like Yalmark's not going anywhere either like he would be all right too but he's they're not going to move him now either and i was looking at the defense and connor murphy and calvin dehan are there and connor connor murphy may not be the worst option as a guy to add to the top four and then you lose him in the expansion draft but again you know how much are you throwing how many assets are you throwing at a guy you think you're going to lose in a year anyway um so yeah that's the blackhawks so i I I think we should laugh at the blackhawks anyway we were talking about doc amrick and one of his more famous calls was 2010 so it's uh, nice to see the blackhawks uh in a little bit of hell right now that's a shame. At least going through some kind of torture. Yeah, it's a real shame. We all we all feel terrible for him. And, you uh, just hate to see it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, so Steve, are we? Uh, I, I can't believe we're finally going to do this topic because we've been talking about it for a second. But I I've wanted to do it for a while now because I I enjoy it thoroughly. It's almost that article is almost a month old now too. Actually, looking at it, it is, it is. But we've had a lot to talk about, and we found ourselves with more to talk about tonight than I anticipated as well. So, let oh yeah, us... oh you you pushing it again? No, we'll get into it real quick. I, I did want to talk about it, but we'll get into it real quick. But I do have the game. I have a game. Do you want me to do the game instead? We push it back. I say we again? push the game back. That's... Oh wow! All right, yeah. Let's... I guess we'll do your subject. Yeah, oh my your god! Uh, yeah. No, you know what? No, you know, buddy. You know what? Yeah. Buddy. No. You look at the clock. Uh, no, no, no. You look at the clock. No, I'm not looking. I'm not looking at anything. I'm not listening. I'm not listening to you. You don't. You don't know me at all. You. You right, give me a lot of guff tonight. A lot of guff. This is it. This is the last perp. <laughs> the next time we see each other, we're actually fighting. That's true. That's what's going with on. Masks on. 
because we're responsible. That's, yeah, that's right. Because and personal and social distancing, so it's gonna be a real weird looking fight. We're just gonna be throwing stuff at each other from water balloon sense, fight. We'll, we'll get into it. Yeah, that's right. It'll be kind of yeah. It'll be funny in a way. And speaking of funny, apparently, be, apparently this guy is pretty funny. Oh my god. Yeah, so I had caught this thing a few months ago. I had uh, caught this. I think uh, Uprocks had run this. It was uh, based yeah. on a Rolling Stone list where they had asked uh, 300 music critics and professionals to create their comprehensive roundup of their 500 greatest albums of all time. Uh, so a lot of people took this seriously. One of the person who did not take this seriously is one of my favorite musical acts, uh, Ad Rock from the Beastie Boys. He submitted a bunch of completely made up album names and there, there might be stuff that is real in here. I can't tell with most of the albums submitted by Rock here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, like, I, I don't even care if they are real. It's just funny. Like already setting it up, like they're fake names. Some of these just are, are funny to me. So I'm sure, like, there's probably some like big indie band that we're gonna make fun of, and then we're gonna have people in our mentions. But, but like, I can't imagine the know. Frank Figueroa Funk Ensembles Double Gang ba- Double Bang Bang is coming back. <laughs> yeah, there's no way. There's no way some band's named Grits and Gravy, and they have an album called Nothing But the Good Stuff. Nothing with N U T H I N apostrophe. I don't think that's happening. Uh, Chirp, the city ain't tough enough. <laughs> Ultimate Spinach, self-titled album. I, I, I love like that one. Album. I love Ultimate Spinach so much. <laughs> the Out of Controls, I Need New Friends. Uh, the Dapper Duo, uh, Your Freaky Touch. Buddy, by the way, there is a Grits and Gravy. There is a oh wait, hold on. but I'm they don't, but they don't, but grits. they don't have a nothing but the good stuff. They just have Ingritsients as their only, <laughs> their only. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> oh, wait, that's Grits N. Let's see Grits End. Oh, that might be what the... Uh... Yes. Let's see. Grits and Gravy. No, it's just a song from the Fame Gang. So, yes, that, that would be on the made-up list, at least according to Spotify. Okay. <laughs> uh, we got Video Kids, Woodpeckers from Space, uh, the Pete Smith Quintet, Dyn- Dynamism. Uh, Rough and Ready, We Rhyme Right, Phil Collins dancing. Well, that's, that's Phil Collins. Yes. Yeah, we got some Phil uh, Collins fans. Did, did you there. happen to go with Pops Willard's bus station situation? No, I did not do that one. <laughs> Dr. Funkadunk, Out of Bounds on the Dance Floor. Yes. Chip Button, Drums Are My Bag. The Captain, 22, 22 Pound Turkey. Like, what the fuck? These are amazing. These are amazing. And again, I I can't tell you, you know, how many of these are actually fake and which ones are real. I don't know most okay, of Okay, there's no way. But these are... I feel like this one, the T-bones, no matter what shape, parenthesis, your stomach is in, and parenthesis. There's no way that's a real song. If that feels like, or if it is, it feels like a Jenny Craig commercial song. I don't know. That feels like it's not... You looking it up? Uh, I was looking up Krabby Appleton, which is real, and I, I, I love that. Oh shit! I'm gonna look at the T-bone sign. Watch, all these fucking bands are gonna be real. <laughs> no, some of them are T-bones definitely. Are bad. Oh my some god! Some of them no are definitely way. made up. The T-bones are real. This fucking song is gonna be real now, so I'm gonna cry. <laughs> oh my god! It's a real yes. song. What the fuck? Yes. <laughs> instrumental, instrumental though. It's an instrumental from 1965. 
I mean, uh, it just sounds like. Yeah, it. I know. I know. <laughs> All right. Yeah, so we really nailed it. I don't know what to say. <laughs> the Clarence Wilding Orchestra. Yeah, no, these Is are. Sergeant not, Crikey all, Reel. That's what I need to know. Is Sergeant Crikey Reel. Sergeant Crikey. Sergeant Crikey, it make it make them bubble. Uh, no, I'm not. It doesn't look like it is. Okay, so Sergeant Crikey, like Sergeant it make Crikey. them bubble. Crikey. No, 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 Cro- I'm saying, no, no. I'm saying there's a. Apparently, there is a Sergeant Cricket or something. Hold on, oh. I'm gonna see. Uh, no, no, there's not. There was some uh, cricket player named Craig Surgeon that. It redirected me to. I, I don't. I, okay, Google. I don't know what that was about. Google. That was just way off. But the there, there, is there a song named Twenty Two Pound Turkey? Hold on, I'm looking that one up. Twenty Two Pound. Okay, you look that up, and I mean, it's just masterful work here. Like to take this Rolling Stone list and just turn <laughs> it on its head like this. It's just fantastic. No, that's work great work. Ad yeah. Yeah, these names, like some of these names, I was just cracking out the other. You said it, and I looked through it twice, and there's each time I looked at it, there were like two or three. Where I was just like, "What the fuck? Who? There's no way this is real." And then, unfortunately, the one I picked out was uh, absolutely <laughs> real. Uh, apparently, an instrumental from nineteen. I'm gonna check that out right now. No matter what shape your stomach is in, like yeah. it just it, there's no way that that song title <laughs> sounds real. It's also just like a weird song there, 1965 for like the not. No lyrics by abandoning the T bones. I okay, whatever. Please tell me, Video Kids Woodpeckers from Space is real. Woodpeckers. In fact, all I have space. to do is type in Woodpeckers, right? Uh, there is a song. Oh my god, yeah, it is fantastic. Yes, yes. Uh, from Video, uh, May twenty fifteen. Is a Dutch like, a song by the clear. Dutch Euro Disco Italo Disco duo Video Kids. I don't even Fantastic. know what that... That sounds like... That's gotta be some crazy-ass shit. Well, I, I just love that on top of all the fake ones, he just went out and found, like, the crazy... Oh, <laughs> Yeah. So the people, like, people... Yeah, they probably, like, checked it out and, like, oh, no, this is... No, these are real. Like, they probably just checked, like, two or three, like, all right, these are all... Like, yeah, I guess they're all real. All right. Just put the whole list in there. <laughs> <laughs> all righty. Well... And then we'll uh, push back the game. RIP to the game. So we'll play that later on. Uh, hopefully we get enough time to play it before the next season starts. Uh, yeah. Oh, my God. So anyway, oh my league, God. League, you know, I'm sorry to I'm listeners out there you. that want to listen to the game. And, uh, I just want to I'm say gonna that. I'm going to fight you <laughs> over by the closest Wawa in the parking lot at midnight. Fair. Oh, wait. It's past midnight. Yeah. So I guess midnight tomorrow. Yeah. I'm saying one. We can do one. I mean, we can push this to like 12.45, 12.50, and then uh, just speak it to the local Wawa. So that's your call there. Around the league. Uh, so Connor McDavis recovered from COVID, because we all know it's a hoax. Uh, and then also Christian Fisher has... T- oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> so- Folks. <laughs> all right. Uh, just, that's not true. You got the- Good. I'm glad Connor, I'm glad Connor uh, recovered without Yeah, I was really... Although yeah. he should have been... I'm not going to lecture him. I don't know. Yeah, we don't know. I mean, you know. I'm I'm glad he recovered. Yeah, I mean, he could have been doing everything, all the precautionary measures, and still got it because that's kind of uh, kind of what this thing is. So, uh, Christian Fisher stays in Arizona for two years, one million dollar a year. Uh, had nine points in fifty six games last year for the Coyotes. Third year as a regular and fourth season playing with the Coyotes. Not looking too great for being the thirty uh, second overall pick in twenty fifteen, but that's 
whatever, I guess. Adam Gaudet stays in uh, Vancouver um, for one year, 950K. 33 points in 59 games. Uh, Steve, do you remember Tom Bodet from Motel 6? Do you remember those commercials? Oh, yeah. yeah I'm so Tom Bodet from Motel Adam 6. Go- Adam Gaudet, he'll hopefully be uh, leaving the goal light on for these people. I just thought of that, so you're welcome. Uh, Dyson Jones <laughs> oh accepted his qualifying offer. How many people do you think know who the fuck? Like, I, that Tom Bodet is such a... I, I don't even know what I'm doing anymore. Tyson Jost. I mean, the thing is, like... I feel like so many people haven't seen commercials in years now, let alone. Stop, that I should one. probably stop referencing okay. them. I should stop, probably stop bringing them up. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah so stop okay. referencing. Noted. No, I, I honestly, <laughs> well, no, I, I wonder with some of these commercial references, how many. I'm not going to. Uh, I noticed with some of these commercial references, I don't know. I, I wonder how many people are still getting them because, like, so many people are just streaming everything now and no, avoiding commercials in any way, shape, or form, which is which is great because commercials are terrible, except for. The sponsors that, you know, you hear in the middle of every BSH radio podcast. Those people we love. But, you know, that's, yeah, tell you what. Um, I'm getting back into the the around the league. Oh, I dropped the, that's what I was going to say. I thought about the, have you seen the Liberty Mutual, like, Limo, the emo commercial? Uh, Probably. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I was talking about that the other day, and people knew that. So I, I see what you're saying about commercials. Though it feels like not as much of a. Uh, there's a point in time when we all got the uh, "Don't worry, I stayed at the Holiday Inn Express last night." Uh, you know, got a, a few more yucks than it, it would now. But times are changing. You know, Steve. all us hockey fans, all us hockey fans, state the same commercials from the re- most recent playoffs because we had to watch God. them. 50,000 yeah. times. I don't know how... Whoever... I hope that friend is taking that singer to court for fucking up Tax Dermot's and Tax Attorney. So... Tyson Jost... Tax Attorney! <laughs> like, hey, can you get the fuck out of my house? Uh, Tyson Jost accepted his qualifying offer from Colorado. One year, 874125 bucks. He'll be an RFA in 2021. Carson Kuhlman stays with the Bruins for two more years, 725k a year. Gabriel Carlson stays in uh, Columbus for two years, 725k a year as well. King Colsar, same deal with the Golden Knights. Uh, Rudolf's Bolzers, uh, hell of a name, uh, not that great. Uh, stays in Ottawa for one year, 735k. 17 points in 51 games over two seasons with the Senators. Uh, Sheldon uh, Rempel joins the Carolina Hurricanes for one year at 700K. Played seven games for the Kings back in 2018-19. Sorry if you're experienced, Sheldon. Uh, J.C. Bodine stays with the Senators for one year at 700K. Uh, Bodine had one assist in 22 games last year for Ottawa. And uh, last but not least, Stephen Fogarty joined the Sabres for one year at 700K. He was a 27-year-old forward. The Rangers drafted in 2011 in the third round, and he's had zero points and 18 NHL games. That was not the last, that was the last signing. The last note is, um, unfortunately, former flyer Gino Ochik is fighting heart disease again. Uh, went through amyloidosis back in 2014 and was diagnosed with it again about a month ago. And amyloidosis, I, I mean, I'm obviously mispronouncing that, but uh, is a condition that produces uh, protein deposits in the heart. And it's apparently a it's a rare and extremely serious uh, situation. Uh, and in 2014, he, it reduced his heart function to 25%. And do- doctors told him to prepare for the worst. A last-ditch chemo treatment reversed his condition. And he wasn't expected to repair, or he wouldn't have to uh, deal with a situation like that for 20 years. But unfortunately, it's only been 
about six, and he is going to have to go through it again. Uh, Gino says he feels pretty confident because they did, in fact, catch it pretty early on. And uh, the first time, apparently, it had progressed a little bit further. So uh, hopefully, uh, you know, Gino Ochik is able to pull through, and he's able to overcome this twice. But uh, that is around the league. So. Yeah, that's terrible news yeah, about Ochik, and uh, uh, best of luck to him. Yeah, and again, you know, the, I mean, yeah, there's really not much else to say. It's just... Pretty unlucky to get it twice, and it's uh, sounds like some pretty serious shit. So hopefully Gina's able to tough it out again. But uh, good luck uh, to Mr. Ojek. So that's uh, that's around the league of us, Steven. And uh, we are we're good to wrap it up here. This post midnight podcast that uh, you so quickly want to get off of and go to bed and forget about all of our oh, diehard fans that wait wait with bated breath 168 hours a week for this podcast. And I know they're out there, guys. I'm sorry. I'm trying my best. You know, I'm, I'm willing to go six hours it, a day. You tried stuff. your best to extend it to <laughs> two hours yet again, but not quite. I'm not letting it happen tonight because I cannot physically. Hey, you're a normal adult. You got things Folks, to do tomorrow. That's fine. I got you. I do. Yeah, this, this is true. <laughs> it's gonna this end, is yeah. true. Folks, thanks so much for listening. If you have any feedback for us, the best place is on twitter.com.org.edu.ca. You can reach Craig at sports are bad. Oh, uh, yeah. And we are doing this on Tuesday. So, again, I do. I want to work on the uh tyson forrester 2019-20 uh glance seasonal uh, glance take a look at how he scored goals produced points and played the sport of hockey last season in the ohl and hopefully should have that up and ready at the end of the week by the end of the week so thursday or friday uh, if not definitely monday and uh yeah that's it i'll just be working on those and um more of this and we'll figure out Maybe to do some filler podcast over this extended stay. I, I think we're leaning towards doing one a week for a while. Because, uh, tell you what, doing two podcasts not in midseason, uh, back from March to uh, May, or March to July, may have, uh, may have drained the creative flow a little bit. May have been a lot of podcasting for not a lot of real hockey to talk about. And, uh, even though the stretch again, it's going to be... We'll definitely have... I, I think we'll definitely have weeks where we have two episodes, but I don't know if it's going to be every week. We will do two a week where we can, but I... It's going to be hard I, to guarantee yeah, that. I, right I need now. just yeah. one a week for a bit. <laughs> I mean, like, right now, we did the podcast today because Nolan Patrick signed his VLC. So, like, yeah, and we're not going to keep and, the Flyers news. I, unfortunately, we are obligated to watch the Eagles on Thursday, too. That's oh, God. another yeah, fact. And that's, you know what... And that's legally obligated. Yeah, like we all have to. That's something we have to go through together as a city. So, like we, wait, wait how many, how many, how many wins are we looking at this year for the birds? Are we thinking they crack four? I'm not feeling good about three. In the division, at six wins. You are a sociopath. How are they getting the six wins? Who are they beating? The, I, I got the division. All right. You know what? That's. I, see, I'm not. I'm still not confident against Dalton and the Cowboys. I don't know if that's because I've, I'm just. Not confident. This isn't confidence. This is just uh, me spitballing. Yeah. Do you think them winning the division with six games is enough for Howie Roseman to keep his job? I don't. I know. can't. If I, I'm waiting for that. I think he gets a mulligan for a COVID year, but that's just me. He shouldn't, but he probably does. Oh God! Why? Why? How? Whoa! Who's been? You will have to ask Jeffrey Laurie. <sighs> I heard somebody use J.J. Arcego Whiteside against me in an argument for why Carson Wentz should be better a couple weeks ago. 
I, this is somebody who I don't think watches the Eagles. That really? I, yeah. This is somebody I don't think is aware of how poorly JJAW has done. It was not an Eagles fan, so that's why. Like, his best play of the year was recovering a fumble. A year? That's the best thing he's done since he's left college. Yeah, it was jump on a football where Miles Sanders did 98% of the work on the play. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, he's... Yeah. But, like, I I was so frustrated because, like, you said this, and there's not a single Eagles fan around me. This is not a fair, like... <laughs> the, the, you, you lose this argument for bringing that up but yeah um yeah, yeah so it's not fun uh but i will do those uh, i'm doing those player profiles on the prospects and uh i might start doing some return flights and uh might start doing some deep dives on random stats and stuff and um yeah i mean again we're it looks like we're going through a lull here and you know there's it's a uh, it's been a fun year there's still a lot of stuff going on away from hockey and writing about podcasts about hockey and stuff too so we'll we'll all figure it out <laughs> that's my analysis i want to be producing content wise for the next couple weeks 2020 we'll all figure yeah, it out. we'll figure it out craig is it sports or bad i am at estee bomb or at fly Perbly. for your hockey needs please make it fly Perbly. follow bsh radio follow broad street hockey and be sure to like us on facebook rate subscribe etc 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 Folks, that's all we got, and it was quite a bit. Make sure you get out there and vote. Make sure to wash your damn hands, wear a damn mask, and until next time, in the words of the great Gene Hart, good night and good hockey. Hello, everybody. This is Fly Purbly. It is a podcast about hockey, mostly the Flyers, but also other hockey things, like other hockey teams that play the sport of hockey. Steve, but not Steve Hartnell, and Craig, but not Craig Ruby. No, this isn't all those hockey guys. These are the guys who watch the hockey sport. Yeah! It's 2023 and you're still looking for a baseball podcast? What's up, party people? Danny Vietti here from the Wake and Rake podcast. Yes, I know the name of our show, Freaking Rocks. Join World Series champion Will Middlebrooks and I as we banter about the best of the best from Major League Baseball, including power rankings. One of the best players of all time. Headlines. Solidifies a dynasty. And special guests. Reese Hoskins. Stroh showed. Jose Trevino. Listen and or watch every episode of the Wake and Rake podcast, available on all your favorite listening platforms and the all-new Believe Sports channel.